0: This episode of Disease du Jour is brought to you by equinevetedu.com, a free online educational platform for veterinarians from the AVMA PLIT and Equamanagement.com. Hello and welcome to Equimanagement's podcast Disease du Jour, where each podcast will delve into the research and current best practices for a variety of equine health problems with equine industry experts. I'm your host, Kimberly Brown, publisher of Equimanagement. Management. Today's guest is Dr. Tom Chambers, a professor at the University of Kentucky's Gluck Equine Research Center, who focuses on the study of infectious disease, especially equine influenza and equine herpes virus. Dr. Chambers, who's been at the Gluck for nearly 29 years and who studied avian and human influenza viruses for 10 years before that, has been at the forefront of equine influenza vaccine research including that done for Fluovert IN. He's currently doing research on a second-generation modified live virus flu vaccine. He heads the OIE Reference Laboratory for Equine Influenza at the University of Kentucky, and many of the virus strains and current equine influenza vaccines came from Dr. Chambers' laboratory. Chambers received his bachelor's from the University of Notre Dame in 1975, and his Ph.D. in Microbiology from the University of Notre Dame in 1982. Thank you, Dr. Chambers, for joining us today to talk about equine influenza.
1: Thank you, Kim, for inviting me. It's a pleasure.
0: I think we'll start this morning about what do equine veterinarians need to know about influenza?
1: Well, the, uh, the critical thing is that it's a highly contagious disease. It, it's not necessarily a deadly disease. Um, even in, in, um, um, naive, influenza, naive adult horses that, that uh, we experimentally give the flu, we can make them sick, but we've never been able, well, we haven't tried either. We've never actually killed one that way. Um, in, Newborn foals, it, it can be deadly if um, if they have a failure of passive transfer. Then an influenza infection can be deadly. Um, in uh, third world countries, we we often hear about um, deadly outbreaks of influenza, and um, my inclination is to attribute that to. Um, Late diagnosis and and maybe substandard veterinary care, but in the United States, it's um, uh, influenza in horses is is very much like influenza in humans.
0: So, what are the dangers with flu in horses?
1: As I said, it it is highly contagious. It can uh, even though it, it doesn't kill, you know, it can knock a horse um, off its feet, it can um, um, prevent its being uh, trained effectively, can prevent it, its being used for work um, effectively. Basically, it, it puts the horse in the stall for a prolonged period of time. Uh, our recommendation is, uh, a rule of thumb is that for every day of, of fever, the horse should be stall-rested for a week
0: that can mean quite a bit of time loss for some of these competitive horses. So we know that influenza, you've, you've taught us over the years, this changes. You know, why is that important to know as a veterinarian?
1: Because the uh, the vaccines need to be updated to, to keep up with the changes. I mean, people are probably familiar with the uh, the the CDC recommendation from from their own physicians that they should get the, the the flu vaccine every year. And what was wrong with last year's flu vaccine? Well, the you, the your immune response to last year's vaccine is probably still good, but the virus that's circulating has changed, uh, and so the vaccines need to be changed to keep up with it. Now, fortunately. For equine influenza, it has um, not changed um, very fast. I have to say, it's not changed as, as fast as I thought it would. Uh, we are still using uh, Ohio 03 in the vaccines. The reason, you know, this is a 16 year old virus strain now. The reason is because we do not have the uh, epidemiological evidence. To support um, a, a a change, it, it seems like the the new virus strains that are in circulation they they have um, some differences from Ohio three, and every year there are some new differences. But to the horse's immune system, they're still basically the same. And so once we see evidence of Vaccine breakdowns, where a horse was um, uh, vaccinated and what should have been protective um, was not protective, and this is happening over and over again. You know, then we we need, we have a case to say Ohio O three has to go; it's not working anymore. Okay, but but so far we haven't seen that.
0: How do we know that we're? St- not seeing this, what kind of surveillance are you part of to help us keep on top of what's out there with flu?
1: My uh, laboratory, uh, as you mentioned, it's an OIE reference laboratory for equine influenza. There are are three others in the world, England, Ireland, Germany, and we have our our colleagues in, in different countries all around the world, Japan, China, Australia. India, uh, for example, are are all uh, uh, we share information back and forth all the time. And um, what uh, we try to do is uh, collect information about the uh, influenza activity in horses in different regions of the world. Uh, We try very hard to get vaccination histories, but that is almost impossible to get. Um, And we try to get virus isolates uh, from outbreaks in in these different regions. And from a virus isolate, uh, we can uh, determine the, um, the, the sequence, the genetic sequence, and look for changes there. And also we can do those immune comparisons uh, uh, between virus isolates. We can compare them against standard um, antibody panels and be able to to say these viruses to the horse's immune system, they look alike, or we can say, you know, this virus to the horse's immune system looks different. And uh, having those virus isolates is the only way to do that. And so we... Try very hard to um, uh, obtain these isolates from our surveillance activities. Uh, veterinarians are a, a key part of that um, of that surveillance. In fact, they they are the, um, <clears throat> the 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 key link in the chain, and maybe the weak link in the chain. I have to say, um, the uh, uh, Influenza in the United States is probably, at a guess, I'd say it is, it is uh, diagnosed maybe 1% of the time. Uh, and that's, that's a guess. Um, I, I could be way off. But there's probably a lot more influenza in horses in America than we ever find out about. Um, the uh, uh, um, veterinarian... Is uh, as I said, he's 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 the, the, the key link in the chain. It is uh, uh, the veterinarians that we rely on first to um, uh, you know identify that this horse has a respiratory disease. Second, um, to get the the samples that are needed to to make a diagnosis, and, and those samples are. Are nasal swabs or nasopharyngeal swabs that can be sent to um, their their regional veterinary diagnostic laboratory uh, which can run the tests needed to to determine is this influenza is this herpes is this uh, arteritis virus is this something else um, rhinovirus for example or, or uh, um, adenovirus, you know, these are all potential causes of, of respiratory disease in horses. Um, the veterinarian has the, the, really the hardest job of explaining to the owner why they need to take a nasal swab from the horse, which the horse is not going to like. Um, but uh, having that nasal swab you know, then they know what is actually the cause of the respiratory disease. Uh, for influenza, there are vaccines. For herpes virus, there are vaccines, uh, and we can look forward to the day when there are vaccines for for uh, adenovirus or or rhinovirus. Um, the the more effective the the diagnosis, the more effective the preventative measures. Can become so that is the advantage to the to the veterinarian and their client. The advantage to the whole um, uh, veterinary community is that uh, once we have these samples and we get a the, the diagnostic laboratory runs their tests and determines it's probably a PCR test. Um, which can tell them this is influenza. You know, I um, have contacts with a number of, of the, the, uh, the major veterinary diagnostic laboratories in, in the country, and I, I try to get, whenever they have positives, I try to get my hands on that sample so that uh, we can in my laboratory try to get a virus isolate, which is to say we can grow up a virus, okay? PCR test does not depend on a virus isolate. Um, PCR tests are very sensitive, they're very specific, Um, but uh, they do not um, differentiate between live virus and dead virus, and I need the live virus, okay? With the live virus, we can run those antibody tests that uh, um, uh, will will tell us uh, this this uh, uh, equine influenza virus strain is to the horse's immune system. It, it looks different from the strains in the vaccines, and therefore we we have to update the vaccines and uh we need the live virus in order to do the updating so companies not just in america but around the world uh look to to my lab uh and two or three other labs around the world as sources for uh the the viruses that they need to make the the vaccines and to and to update the vaccine so that they are um, in sync with the, the viruses that are circulating and, and causing disease outbreaks.
0: So what you're encouraging is if a veterinarian has a respiratory disease of unknown origin, to go ahead and get that horse sampled and sent to his local diagnostic lab so that if it is influenza, it can help in this surveillance.
1: That's exactly right.
0: Is there a best way to take these samples and get them to the lab to make sure the virus survives since you need live virus?
1: Well, yes, uh, and um, as I said, the horse may not cooperate, um, but there are, uh, um, there's nasal swabbing and what we call nasopharyngeal swabbing. And the horse doesn't like either, I have to say. It, it's a, from the horse's point of view, nasopharyngeal swabbing is just as bad. But um, uh, the, we get 10 times as much virus out of a nasopharyngeal swab. And that means that the sensitivity of the testing is, is going to be that much better. Uh, be, be, each, each diagnostic test has a limit to the sensitivity. And... Uh, the uh, you know the better quality sample the the better the test result the more trustworthy the test result is going to be okay you will get fewer false negatives with a better quality sample whereas with with a a poor sample let's say you 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 know let's say the horse is is really throwing a fit and the, the best you can do is maybe scratch the the nostril a couple times with a, a tiny little q tip and throw it in a tube and send it to us. You know, they so there's not going to be very much virus on there and so the the chances of of the the test detecting it go down and and you have uh, potentially a false negative test result. Um if you can actually do a nasopharyngeal swab, the swabs we use are 40 centimeters. That's two and a half? That sounds like, no, that's about one and three quarters feet long, something like that. And they they go about a foot up the horse's nose. Um, and. At the uh, the uh, the end of the swab is is a big ball of of, of uh, rayon or, or dacron something like that, and you know they are designed to collect a lot of virus. The that is the best sample we can get from a horse. Um, once it's uh, removed from the horse's nostril, it has to stay wet. Uh, if it dries out, then again you're you're losing um, a virus, and so the chances of uh, uh, for PCR that won't matter quite so much. But the chances of a successful virus isolation go way down once the sample dries out. The uh, uh, these swabs uh, there are commercial sources for them. A uterine swab, if if that's what the veterinarian has in the back of their truck a uterine swab is almost as good. Um, if uh, um, if all they have are like uh, like Q-tips, my suggestion would be to use like three Q-tips at once. Okay, the um, other danger with Q-tips is if, if you really try to stick them far in, you better not let go. You know because a horse can it can actually inhale a Q-tip way back in in the nasal meatus and then you have to fish around with 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 long-handled forceps or something to get it out again you'll need this today don't don't do that Um, better to use a a 40 centimeter swab uh, uh, and so you have something to hang on to Um, to keep it wet you can use. We have our own um, virus transport medium, which it, which is uh, um, can be uh, obtained uh, from from different sources. Um, it, it's basically cell culture medium. Um, if the veterinarian does not have that in the back of their truck, they probably have sterile normal saline solution. Use that. Okay, Or if you have lactated ringer solution, use that. Okay, Don't use plain water um, because, once again, that, is, that reduces the chances of a successful um, virus isolation. But anyway, use enough fluid like sterile normal saline solution to keep all the, the, the working in, the, the tip, of the swab wet and so um, um, you know if you have uh, some kind of, of, of tube that uh, that you have put it into you know and, and you cut off the the tip of the swab to fit into this tube and, and then use enough liquid to, to basically to fill the tube okay and don't uh, don't take a chance on it drying out alright um, at the diagnostic lab you know they will uh, be able to uh, obtain there'll be plenty of sample for them to be able to obtain what they need to to run their tests Uh, and then there will be plenty left over that uh, they can send along to me okay and what we do is uh, we use either embryonated eggs or A a kidney cell line that that we keep growing uh, to do the virus isolations, and uh, you know we're not successful every time. I mean, there's always um, how to how to say it. It 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 is a, a very insensitive method compared to PCR. And so the, the days when diagnostic labs depended on getting a virus isolate to, to call it a positive are, are thankfully long over. Um, there were too many, too many false negatives that way. But for us, you know, we can uh, try over and over again um, the same sample or we can do what we call blind passes uh, to try and amplify a, a very weak initial result, Uh, and so maybe um, let's say uh, 25 to 30% of the time we can successfully get a virus isolate and characterize that, see what is different about this virus. If the, the diseased horse had been vaccinated, we'd really like to know the vaccination history if it were if it had been uh vaccinated you know just a month or two ago, you know that is a bad sign that the vaccines are are no longer protective six months ago it gets really iffy um if it if it was a year ago you know then then it's probably the vaccine is is not to blame um and uh, you know, in, there's a lot of horses that that uh, never or seldom get vaccinated. So having a a uh, a uh, keeping a horse well vaccinated w- with up to date vaccinations, not not just the vaccine itself, but but the vaccination schedule. Are, are important things uh, uh, for veterinarians to keep in mind for influenza. The vaccines themselves are, are much better today than they were when I first started working in this field. I, I remember when uh, uh, I, I came to the Gluck Center and was talking to practitioners, and the word back then, this was like 1992 and thereabouts, um, the, uh, the, the word back then was, was that the equine flu vaccines were like, uh, you know, you could pour them on the ground and they'd work just as well. Okay. It was like injecting water. That, that was the, the common wisdom back then. Today, the vaccines are actually, um, good at inducing immune responses in the horse. Uh, there are still issues um unsolved issues with with the vaccination schedules um and so we could say in adult horses, those issues are not such a big problem in young horses weanlings six month to twelve month old horses they there are still problems, and it's it, that becomes the horse's fault the weanling's fault that um Uh, You know, we're we're trying to find, identify a vaccination schedule that will keep them immune for at least six months. And that's been hard to do, because in in a a, a young, a juvenile horse, what we find, you know, vaccinate, they'll get a good response, and then that response just decays right away, really quickly. And so um, three months later, you're back where you started from. Uh, So that that is still an area of of study. What is the best vaccination schedule for for juvenile horses? We we call this the, uh, our our jargon for it is the immunity gap um, that has to somehow... Uh, you know we want to to keep the antibody levels up in these juvenile horses but the antibody levels don't want to stay up Um, so as I said in adult horses it is not such a problem once especially once a horse gets to be four or five years of age uh, then um, their their antibody levels tend to stay fairly stable the uh, and so the immunity gap does does not uh, um, exist in in these adult horses, okay. But uh, a horse that's going to the sales for the first time or going to the, the training center for the first time, where they're going to be exposed to a lot of horses they haven't seen before. Now that is um, a big It's a schoolyard disease for them, okay? It is a a good way to pick up a lot of bugs, a lot of germs. And influenza is probably going to be one of those germs. And and so at that point um, where they really need to be well vaccinated, we have to make sure that they haven't somehow fallen into the immunity gap at that point.
0: So for equine veterinarians, we we discussed the younger horses that have competition horses that are traveling to shows. Um, We know that several organizations have put forth that, you know, the horses must be vaccinated within six months of attending these shows coming on the grounds. What is the protective factor? How do you know as a veterinarian what is the best thing to recommend to your clients that have these horses that are traveling?
1: The best protective factor... Um, Well, if if I'm interpreting your your question correctly, I would say vaccination is the best thing they can do. Um, For the the farm owner, you know, keeping good vaccination records. um, And uh, I would say also uh, being mindful about you know, what other horses your, your juvenile horses and even adult horses are coming into contact with is important. In other words, having good biosecurity at the farm, um, at the training center, there are, um, um, steps, uh, biosecurity steps that can be taken, but, but the big one, the most important one, which is quarantine is the hardest one to take, you know, because the the training center is is welcoming all these horses under the premise. That's what they're there for, uh, is is to bring a a lot of horses together. Uh, And so quarantine is kind of out of the question there. Um, The the other um, um, protective actions that uh, really should be taken are um, for the uh, the the staff, not just the, the owner and the, and the veterinarian and jockey, but also also the the grooms, uh, the uh, uh, whoever does the mucking. You now to be aware, if you hear a cough from the horse down the stall, uh, pardon me, down the stall row. Um, or uh, you know a, a little bit of a snotty nose is not an uncommon thing with with horses at, at, at that age uh, you know but but be aware of of uh, what is going on in the other horses around your horse um, if necessary uh, uh, you can um, uh, perhaps take, take steps to increase your own biosecurity. Washing hands is a big biosecurity measure that so frequently gets uh, underutilized in horse operations. Um, but uh, there are other things like, uh, like uh, um, don't share tack, don't share water buckets, um, uh, things of things of that nature, you know, that uh, that that can be done, you know, as as steps towards biosecurity. But it's kind of the, the, the training center is kind of an environment where absolute biosecurity to me seems impossible. And and maybe uh, uh, maybe your listeners might have some some uh, better answers to that question than I have.
0: I guess my last question for you is, if we pull the curtain back on equine influenza research and can peek into where you want to look down the road and where you would like the protection for equine influenza or the research to go, what's in the future for equine influenza? Pipe dreams? Yeah. Uh,
1: A pipe dream, one pipe dream would be a universal vaccine. The, The idea behind the universal vaccine is that It should never need updating Um, uh, there is some work going on in that area uh, that uh, um, I in my own opinion it it still has a ways to go and I I, my suspicion one of the things I've I've learned in in a a career of studying influenza viruses is, is is Don't say anything is impossible for influenza virus. Uh, Can influenza virus figure out a way around a universal vaccine? I would not say that's impossible. Okay. Um, The uh, uh, other um, advances would be uh, a system of updating the vaccines that is, is much more um, efficient time-wise than, than what we have. I mean, right now, if, if the uh, OIE and our, our equine influenza expert surveillance panel were to recommend a a change in the the virus strains used in the vaccines, it could be three or four years before vaccines actually appeared on the market with those changes. And it would be really nice if we could cut that down to one year, eight months, six months. Uh, And the... um, you could say basically it's a money issue that that strain changes cost money, and for uh, animal vaccines and and horse vaccines in particular, there's not that much money to support those kinds of changes. But uh, um, maybe uh, technology can find a way to to uh, to uh, push that, that that dream along um, there are you know we're, we're always looking at uh, new vaccine technologies that maybe can uh, heighten the horse's antibody response um, so that it, it will stay at a high titer for a longer period of time um, that maybe can uh, trigger um these uh, these longer, higher antibody responses in juvenile horses to close the immunity gap um, that uh, maybe are are uh, you know like the universal vaccines are are not as um, uh, dependent on being a good match between the vaccine strain and the circulating strain, so. There have been, you know, as, I, as I said, the vaccines are a lot better now and than they were 30 years ago, and we can hope that they'll continue to get better.
0: Well, thank you very much, Dr. Chambers, and we appreciate you joining us today and talking about equine influenza. And, and uh, this has been Kimberly Brown, the publisher of Equamanagement, Management, bringing you our latest installment of Disease Du Jour. Please join us again.